Amen. So, Galatians chapter 6, how about I read verses 1 through 5, and then we'll just see how far we get, and uh, we want to leave time for the taking of the Lord's Supper, starting with verse 1, Galatians 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, Paul just giving it to you straight there, by the way. He deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Now, since January, uh, since January 1, we st- the, the first um, day of the new year was on a Sunday. Uh, January 1st fell on a Sunday this year. And since the beginning of the year, we've looked at, uh, in order, we looked at uh, a message I titled, Go Forward and Surrender, that, which is an opposite mentality of uh, a military leader. You couldn't go forward if you surrender. But in the Christian life, we understand that as we surrender to the Lord, that is actually the way that God moves us forward. Surrendering to the will of God is precisely what God wants to do in each and every Christian's life, that we be completely yielded. And when we are, He takes us beyond where we're at. We continue to grow. We see new victories. Then we looked at life in the Spirit, and that was in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And we, see, we saw that it's impossible to live the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever tried living the Christian life in your flesh, it'll never work. You'll give up quickly. Uh, You won't be much different than the unsaved world. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Without the help of the Holy Spirit, I never would have become a pastor. I wouldn't be a half-decent husband. I wouldn't be a half-decent father. I would just kind of be very, very uh, fleshly. And, and we ha- even, a- even with the Holy Spirit, we have enough flesh to deal with. Paul talks about that in those latter verses. Even when you are led by the Spirit, your flesh will still rear its, uh, rear its head. Now, we looked at being stronger together on Ministry Sunday. Uh, the fact that even though uh, we have our individual walk with Christ, which is also in this text too, you'll actually see that there's this, Paul says you have, must remember, you have an individual walk, but the fact of the matter is, even though we have an individual walk, we're supposed to do it as a team, just like as a family. You know, uh, Jacob had some sons, and they were called the sons of, of Israel, and they were supposed to be the tribes and come together. And even, even though they had their individual identity, they also had a collective identity. And you and I, we have an individual identity in Christ, but we also have a collective identity. And, and even in the body of Christ, and the longer I've been saved, I've been more okay with this, Calvary Chapel, we are a tribe. My Baptist pastor friends, they're a tribe, right? You know, different denominations are tribes, and, but together we're still one nation. We're, we're one church. And so you have that as well. But, so you have an individual, but then you have individuals come together to form a, a larger picture of the body of Christ. And so we want to continue to grow together. We looked at last week, uh, small steps and a big difference. And the fact is that God knows we got a long ways to go, but we, we can't go 50 steps in a day, spiritually speaking. 
we have to take a few steps at a time and continue to grow little by little. Uh, one of the blessings of this church, and I, tell, I remind our leaders all the time, I said, the reason why God has never exploded our growth here is we couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle explosive growth. We can handle slow and steady. Slow and steady. That's the way the nation of Israel was. It was just slow and steady. Slow, steady. And when we do that, now after a certain point in time, you raise up enough leaders and disciples that God can actually start to do uh, new things and light switches are turned on that we've never seen before. But the, uh, the fact is for us uh, that we all need to take small little steps and I think this morning as we look at um, this next portion of text that Paul uh, is writing to the Galatians, uh, all of us would agree, if you look at the title of today's message, we all need a little less of ourselves, don't we? Less of us. And this is what Paul, Paul's life was about this. Uh, Paul lived a life uh, that was others focused, that was poured out as a drink offering. He said his life was poured out as a drink offering. Uh, most of us have not poured out our life as a drink offering, but it's not too late to start doing so, to start pouring our life out. Uh, and actually, when we do that, we'll actually find it. Jesus said, when you lose your life, you will find it. Yeah, yeah, right. And I know it's counterintuitive. We don't, we don't really think that could be true, but it really is. The more you pour out, the more you find, wow, that, that, that's where real peace and fulfillment comes from. But so many are still uh, individually focused, still inward focused, uh, that they're missing out not only on the blessings that God wants to give, uh, but also on the impact that they were called to have on this world. Uh, Dr. H.A. Ironside, he told the following story, a story at a Bible conference. A small Christian sect of an exclusive temperament. Now, this is back in the day when they had temperament uh, groups. Uh, so of an exclusive temperament was holding a convention. And outside the auditorium, there was a displayed motto that read, Jesus only. And a strong wind blew, and the first three letters fell off, and it read, us only. And this is uh, what remained outside of the conference. And it's a reminder uh, to us of the attitude that is often found within the church and found within the body of Christ, us only. And not maybe intentionally, but that just ends up what, what, ha what happens. But our vision, our spiritual vision, uh, and our heart has to be genuinely concerned about the condition of other people. Wouldn't you agree? This is why Jesus came. He was concerned about the world. He was concerned about the lost house of Israel. He was concerned about the Gentiles all over the world. He was concerned, and our eyes have to be genuinely concerned about the condition of other people. And we have to be yielded to the will of God to do what he would have us to do to reach out, to see people saved, to see people healed, to see people's lives put back together, to see people mature, and ultimately, not just to mature, to flourish. God wants every family in this sanctuary, and every single mom, every single dad, every widower, widow, what, whoever you may be in this congregation, he wants every one of you to flourish. I didn't say become rich. That's a teaching that's all over these days. But to flourish, some of you may do really well financially, but you wouldn't be in love with it. Some of you will find peace and joy you've never had before, and you'll be able to share it with other people. But to flourish is whatever God defines. My flourish will be different than yours. But in some respects, it's the same in the sense that it is spiritual nature at the core. Whatever else uh, God does is up to him. 
But we want to look this morning at, at these um, five verses, and I've outlined four things uh, that we'll look at together. And whether we get to all four, I don't know, but we'll see how far we get. If not, I have a part two. And since I work 100 days a week, according to the video, um, I'll, have, I'll gain some time back this week. So uh, I will say, in the last five months, I felt like I've worked 100 days a week. Uh, we have had so many little bridges to cross, and, and, and some of them aren't so little. And uh, it has been, uh, so many times I've said, God, I don't have enough strength for this. I really do not have enough strength for this. And God says, I know you don't. My strength is sufficient. I get a lot of that from the Lord. And so, uh, thankfully, I don't work 100 days a week or I'd be really a workaholic. But, um, but it, has been, uh, it has been neat to see what the Lord is doing. And this passage that we're looking at this morning, uh, it's interesting that as we give our lives to other people, how much energy, strength, peace, and power God will give us in the process it defies logic, but this is the way it works. And Paul lived this out, and that's why Paul and the apostles, they did such amazing things, not because they were any better than you or I. They, they weren't more gifted. They weren't more able. They were, just, they were just more yielded. They were just more surrendered. And the more we are, uh, the more we'll fulfill these things uh, that we read this morning, these first five verses. And so he starts in verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. It's, it's never, it never feels good when you see someone that you used to know was kind of walking with the Lord. They were walking in peace. They were growing. And all of a sudden, they just start to pull away. They just start backing off. And beyond that, then you find out that they've gotten into some sort of bondage of some sort. It could, it could be some specific sin. It could be uh, just something has overtaken their lives. It started out as just a hobby, and now everything they're consumed with, and they have walked away from the Lord in some way, shape, or form. But here, uh, Paul says, when we see someone that had been walking and they are now in chains of some sort, or sometimes they don't even know they are. Sometimes, you know, the church has to, you know, those that are, that are walking with Christ have to be able to see this. Uh, but their joy is being taken by the enemy. Uh, they're following after things that uh, are never going to give them peace. And we have to see this situation and say, Lord, what would we do? What could we do? And Paul says, if you see someone that you knew was in the family, and all of a sudden, like the prodigal, they're heading down the wrong road. You who are spiritual, go, restore such a one. And so we want to look first at this, uh, this commandment here, uh, this mandate to restore and to bring restoration. And the first thing, Paul says, if a man, which is really just saying anyone, and I want to look at a couple things under restore here. The first is any person... And no matter what the issue is, uh, it could be something that we would call a very serious sin issue, or it could be something that uh, maybe the world wouldn't consider a serious sin issue, but the Scriptures would still say, no, it's, it's still a big deal. They no longer want to be in fellowship at all. That's a big deal to God. It may not be the big deal to the world. Uh, it might, it's not murder. It's not some other kind of uh, grotesque sin. But you who are spiritual, you've got to go back and 
pull them back. You know, that Jesus was the good shepherd. If one sheep wandered off, he would go find them, wouldn't he? There wasn't anyone who'd say, well, I don't care about that person. They don't bring that much to the table anyway. Well, I don't really care about them because they're not part of my inner circle of friends. I don't hang out with them anyway. Imagine if some pastor said, well, I don't care about them. They don't even tithe anyway, so who cares? They're no impact to us at all. Now, we don't think that way. We, every person, matter of fact, over the years, I've probably spent more time with people that negatively impact, but eventually, if they were loved on enough, they're no longer negatively impact. They end up coming full circle and being hugely valuable. Does that make sense? That we don't look at anyone and say, well, they, you know, they don't bring, you know, they're probably going to cost us more time, so we probably won't waste much time on them. No. Paul said, if anyone is overtaken, if anyone is deceived, if anyone is being led astray, if you really love people, Paul said, you'll go try and bring them back. Now, one thing about um, if you're going to go rescue people, Paul said, you who are spiritual, you have to be spirit-filled and mature to rescue people. You, you, can't, you have to grow spiritually so God could send you on a SEAL Team 6 operation, right? To rescue people, to bring them back. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Abraham. He's really the father, if you will, although he didn't know it at the time, but later the New Testament writers like Paul will make this clear. He was the father of the church. This Abraham was. He founded, God founded the church on him, and he is the father of faith. And we are called the sons and daughters of Abraham. And Abraham, he had a nephew named Lot who became enamored with the world. And Lot became so enamored with the world that he moved near Sodom, and the next thing you know, he's in Sodom, and then he's in love with Sodom, and his whole family, he lost his whole family because his whole family became enamored and in love with the things of the world and sin and stuff and materialism and all those things. And one time, uh, uh, Sodom was taken captive, and guess who had to go rescue Lot? Abraham did. Abraham rounds up his men, which is a picture of like the New Testament church, those that are mature, and they go and they rescue Lot. Now, Lot was a believer, but he was a weak believer that instead of actually staying close to Abraham, who was mature and being mentored and apprenticed to Abraham, he was being mentored by Sodom, which is where he didn't belong. But Abraham went anyway and loved him enough and, and brought him back. And so uh, Abraham was a, a picture of maturity, uh, going to find Lot and bring him back and, and saved him from a premature death. Now, when you, um, when you go to someone, anything, maybe they, they haven't been to church in a while and you, you, you text them or, or you reach out or you give them a call, it's not always received well, just so you know. Um, Paul had already said in this, in this same epistle, Galatians, remember Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, he said, have I, there become, have I thou therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? If I say to someone, hey, I love you, but this is going to hurt your life. I've not always been told, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> I really needed that, right? But, if it's done in love, one of my mentors, you guys know Sam Nadler, Pastor Sam, he told me something that stuck in my head ever since, and he said, if you really love people, you can say anything because they'll know you love them. 
But if you don't love them, they'll know. They'll know that you just kind of, well, this is what you're supposed to say. But you have to really love people, and they have to be able to tell that. You know, I love uh, one of the passages uh, in, in the book of Matthew. Uh, it's actually in uh, a couple of the other gospels as well. But remember Jesus, he was dog-tired. He was exhausted. And it said he looked at the multitudes and it said he had compassion on them. And st- so he dug in deep and he started ministering to them anyway. Now, you know Jesus was tired because he, he would rise and pray before the sun went, was up every day. I mean, when I look at Jesus' spiritual disciplines, you can't help but see how pathetic we are, right? <laughs> and, and, he, and he could have created for himself anything he wanted. He could say, I, I can zap the energy and, and have it back, but he relied on the Spirit because he did it just as a model for us. I mean, he didn't have any of the limitations we have. But he would still go to people, and he would say things that you're like, you know he means it in love, but people didn't always receive it in love. The Pharisees didn't think anything he said landed well, right? But he was always trying to bring lost sheep back. But they didn't always take it well. It's not always received well, but you have to go anyway. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, and I will very, this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. I'm glad that hasn't happened here. The 10-year video here showed that was, Paul, I'm doing better than you did, apparently. So in the sense that the Corinthian church, the more he loved them, the more he kind of went deeper with them. Sometimes they bristled. They didn't like it. He said, the, he said, the less I am loved by you. Now, that wasn't true for everyone, but he was saying on a larger scale, that happened in his life. And so when we reach out to people uh, that are walking away from the Lord, just know that uh, you might not be so well received. But if you bathe it in prayer and you go anyway, you'll be surprised at times that maybe at first you get kind of a cold shoulder, but then you might get a text or an email a couple days later and say, you know what, you're right. And it's worth it. You, you that are parents, you know that when you've had to address your kids, it's never comfortable, is it? It's easier to do nothing, isn't it? Isn't the easiest thing in the world is to do absolutely nothing? Well, it'll take care of itself. It'll resolve itself. But it won't resolve itself. Paul said, you who are spiritual, they're overtaken, Paul said. They're over, they don't know they're overtaken. That's, that's the thing. It's, we're, we're in a spiritual battle with this world, right? It's not physical. It's spiritual. They don't, people don't know they're overtaken. I didn't know I was overtaken when I was unsaved. Did you? I thought I was on top of the world. Now Paul says, when you go, here's the key, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness opens doors that you wouldn't have. You can't go and say, thus saith the Lord, right? There were prophet ministries in the Bible. They're almost all in the Old Testament. (laughs) John the Baptist was one in the New Testament, but he was actually considered the last of the prophets before the ministry of Jesus. We actually see that um, uh, post-resurrection of Jesus, uh, the real launching point of anyone that is actually called into ministry is the tip of our arrow is love. 
Now, we do speak truth, and I still have to tell people that hell really does exist. I still have to tell people that, that Satan really does exist, that sin really will kill you. But we come with a spirit of what? Gentleness. Gentleness. Why? Because Jesus has compassion on us, doesn't he? We have been given a lot of gentleness by the Lord. If God held us accountable for all the things times we've wandered off, we, are, we would have expired the number of opportunities uh, a long time ago, but he's full of compassion. But we're to go with a spirit of gentleness. We also, he said, consider yourselves lest you also be tempted. Uh, aware of your own weaknesses. We have weaknesses, don't we? Amen. We have to be aware of our own weaknesses. Uh, the longer I'm saved, the more weak I realize I really am. You know what I really thought I was incredibly strong? The, when I was unsaved, and then earlier, but the longer I'm saved, the more I realize, Lord, I'm a pretty weak vessel. How about you? I'm more aware of that now. I'm, I, t I had some pastors I was having lunch with, uh, and they asked, said, what have you learned the last few years? I said, I've learned how little I know. And it's a really comfortable place. The more I realize how little I know, the more I rely on the wisdom of Jesus. How about you? And it's a great place to be. It's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that we have zero in our head, but it just means that we don't trust ourselves. We trust in the Word of God. We trust in the wisdom of God. But we have to be aware of our own weakness. We have to be humble when we come, not only in gent gentleness, come with a disposition of gentleness, Again, even that's not always received, but it, if there's any chance of being received, gentleness has a way better chance than coming in face-to-face. -face. Humility. We come in wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Well, we, we have to pray in advance. Lord, give me the right words. Here's a scripture. Here's what Jesus said kind of thing. Put your arm around somebody. But we're depending on Jesus in restoration because we can't do it on our own. We'll look at one more, and we'll stop. I'll save the other two for next week. But uh, the next one we want to look at is in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, which I've titled Refresh. Don't you like it when you're refreshed? Don't you enjoy when you get one of those night's sleep that you can't remember the second you hit the pillow? And you wake up. And it doesn't matter if it was seven or eight or you know, some of you that have the God-given ability to be refreshed after five. I don't, but some of you do. I mean, Thomas Jefferson slept two to four hours a night, and he was fine. Uh, but some people can do that. But you have one of those nights sleep that you slept like a rock. You feel like you could take on the world when you wake up, right? Because you really are refreshed. You feel that restorative value uh, that we need from sleep. I'm always uh, reminded, you know, in Psalm 23, it said about Jesus being the good shepherd, he makes us to lie down. Yeah. We're not smart enough as sheep to lie down sometimes. That's why people stay up till all hours. I, I, I'm afraid they're going to miss something good on TV. <laughs> well, what if, what if the late show says something really funny and I'm not there to see it? I mean, now, I, I, don't, I get a kick out of now uh, people, 
these commercials, you'll see a bunch of them at the Super Bowl tonight, right? Uh, like I, the new AT&T commercial. Love your show? Take it with you. What? <laughs> we don't get enough on the couch now? Of our minds being numb now? I, I want to be in the doctor's office watching this show. Now I want to be at 7-Eleven watching this show. Now I want to be at Wawa watching this show. What is that? Way to never get rest right there. We need to turn off some of that stuff. That was not part of my notes. I don't know what that... Um... <laughs> my point is that these things won't refresh us. They will drain us. That's all they will do. They'll just drain, they'll drain the life out of you. They'll drain the energy out of you. But Paul said to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law. The, what Paul understood is he had traveled the world. And it didn't matter if he was in Lebanon, which is modern-day Lebanon, modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, ends up in Rome. Uh, you know, he was there in Jerusalem, you know, early church. People came from all over, Egypt, Ethiopia, Libya, all that. Area. He had met people from all the world. And one thing he found, and I've now found, I've, I've had a chance to meet people around the world as well, everyone has burdens. It doesn't matter what continent they're from. Doesn't matter what skin tone they are, doesn't matter what language they speak, doesn't matter what accent they have, everyone has burdens. Some people are really good at hiding them. And will have you think they have no burdens. Don't be fooled. Everybody has some. Some people carry some people carry them too much on the outside. But again, you gotta love anyway. Paul in the Bible says to, to love even bearing with the weak. You know, some of the uh, people you meet. You think they have, have it all together, no issues, but if you, get, if you could see them alone and get to know them like God knows their heart and mind, yeah, everyone has some level of burdens. Everyone needs some level of restoration. Now, when it comes to um, ourselves, nobody has to convince us to focus on our own burdens. We're pretty good at that, right? We, we pray a lot about our own stuff. We think a lot about our own stuff. We are always trying to solve our own problems and bear our own burdens. But we're called to bear others. We think about ourselves uh, a lot and how things are impacting us. Um, I, I'm reminded of how far I have to go sometimes. Last night, so my birthday was Wednesday, so we were here uh, I was teaching here Wednesday night, so we decided we'd do birthday dinner last night. We go to this restaurant last night, and we got there early enough that we were before the crowds, but there were still two families in front of us. Oh, no big deal. Party four, uh, no, party five in our family. Party five, and they said, all right, uh, it'll be about 30 minutes. I'm like, how can it be 30 minutes when there's only two families here? <laughs> so now, when I was in college, I was in the restaurant business, so I kind of understand how the whole thing works. I was in it for six years and knew it intimately. And um, so after I saw that people would come in with party four and get seated immediately, people come in with party three, seated immediately, another party four, get seated immediately. I wasn't feeling as spiritual at that moment. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't thinking of others at the moment. Uh, I, was, I just wasn't rejoicing that they were getting a seat that fast. <laughs> But I was understand this policy, so I'm thinking, I think I understand how this works. This is a policy that four means four. Even though one party that was sat was four dudes that could have played for the New England Patriots offensive line. I could have pit 
six of my girls in the same four top. And usually, they say something like this, would you be okay with a booth for four? Can we put a, table, a chair at the end? Usually that's normal. This wasn't said. The policy was this. It was blinders were on. So I went up and began to inquire about the policy <laughs> to better understand the logic of what... And after I was said, my suspicions were confirmed, they walked me with this fit your family and said, oh, yeah, they ride in a minivan to Florida. And they are more jammed. Not a problem, so... I. Everything went fine. I didn't blow my testimony or anything like that. But, uh, but inside, I was thinking, this, this retraining needs to take place here. So, someone, we need a, a policy manual rewritten or something like that. But anyway. Um, but my point is, I wasn't thinking at that moment of others. Maybe their load was lightened because they got to walk straight in and get straight to the table. But no matter what, Jesus was always looking at other people, wasn't he? He was always thinking, no, I want to bless them. I want them to be refreshed. I want them to be relieved. Years ago, the Salvation Army was holding an international convention, and their founder, General Booth, could not attend because of, at that time, he had a severe physical weakness. And he cabled his convention message to them in one word, others. That's all he said. If we look around, we'll see people have burdens. We'll see that people need you and I to minister to them in their life. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Paul wrote, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Lighten others' load. We're called to lighten others' loads. Um, how do we do that? How do, you, how do you lighten a person's load? I mean, only Jesus can really lighten a person's load. But part of that is just, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, just be present. Just be present. You'd be surprised at your value of coming to a ladies' Bible study, your value of coming to a prayer meeting. Your va- Why? Because someone else there is encouraged just by your presence. Say, well, I can't, I don't have any money, I can't really do it. You can pray for people. And when you gather and they hear you pray, they hear in your presence you pray for them, it's even different. Well, I can pray for them in my home closet. You can, and you still should. Well, I can pray for them riding down I-95. You can, and you still should. But it's not, as, not the same as when they hear you pray for them right there in the room, right? Because that ministers on a different level, doesn't it? Doesn't it minister on a different level when someone actually gives you a handwritten letter versus a text? Now, I, I use all the formats. Text is good. I think it can be used really well. But there's something about the tangible, bearing other burdens, say, I'm reaching out to you. When you come and you just be in fellowship, as I said, one of the small steps that we can all take, don't come to, don't come to church for you. Say, Jesus, I'm coming for you. That's the first. Say, Jesus, I'm going to church today for you, to please you, to glorify you, to honor you. The second is, Lord, I'm going to church for someone else. Someone may need me just to smile at them today. Someone may need me just to put an arm around them. Someone may need me just to say, can I pray for you? I'll be praying for you this week. Just that. Come for other people. Now, when that happens, guess who gets blessed in the process? 
We do anyway. We will. That'll happen. Number two, so we lighten others' loads. Number two, we need one another. We may not know we need one another, but everyone needs somebody. If you don't think you'll need someone, God can show you you do, right? Um, no one wants to call 911, but that's when you know, I need a doctor and I need one now, Right? We all need somebody at one time. But the reality is that people have a need for fellowship. They have a need for others to bear their burden. They have a need for someone to say, hey, I'll be praying for you, and they don't know it. We need each other. Everyone needs help. I love this quote by William Arthur Ward. He said, flatter me, I may not believe you. Criticize me, I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. Everyone needs encouragement. It was Cromwell that had defeated uh, Napoleon at Waterloo, and later in his life, they said, what would, the, what would be the one thing you would do differently? He said, I wish I'd have praised people more. The way you can bear each other's burden, the way we need one another is just someone to say, hey, you can do this. You can walk more in Jesus. You can be a better father. You can be a better mother. Just tell, someone to tell you you can do it, a lot of times says, wow, I didn't have anyone that believed in me. Yes. We need one another to believe in one another. But we're not really believing in ourselves. We're believing in the Holy Spirit who said, is there anyone in here that God says, I want your life in total defeat? Jesus said, if you can give your kids good gifts, how much more can I do it? So we encourage one another. We strengthen one another. We all need one another. Everyone does. Um, if, you, if you never, here's a, here's a good test. If you can't remember the last time you asked someone to pray for you, that's not a great thing. Because you, you're, you're very self-reliant to a fault. If you can't remember the last time you said, hey, can you pray with me? You don't have a brother in Christ or you've never been in a men's Bible study or a ladies uh, prayer meeting or something. Say, hey, can you pray for me? That is something that should be something you remember to say, oh yeah, I remember emailing someone not you know, so long ago, hey, pray for me, pray for this situation. That should be the norm of the Christian life because you are not depending on yourself. You say, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. On the flip side, you also should be one saying, hey, can I pray for you? Can I be lifting that up before the Lord to you? That, so it, 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 it shouldn't be all one or the other. It shouldn't be all the time you're the only person who says, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Pray. You know, that, that's not a good thing either, but it's also the balance of lifting people. You should... On a regular basis in the body of Christ, we should be lifting loads off someone and taking some loads on. That's the way it works. Bearing each other's burden. Everyone needs help. And the last thing, and we'll close right here, the law of love fulfilled. And so fulfilled the law of Christ. Now, this isn't the law like the Ten Commandments. This is Jesus brought a new law that ye love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, if we do all the other stuff, but we have not love, what? Prophets, that's absolutely nothing. This is the law of love fulfilled. When the law of love is fulfilled, all the other things will be fulfilled. There will be holiness in the church when the law of love is fulfilled. There will be repentance when the law of love... There will be lives changed. There will be people ministered to. There will be lives repaired when the law of love is fulfilled. Because love will always be... God's love is always coming in what? Truth. And we won't, we won't water down truth, but the love will be sincere, 
right? The love will be sincere. Those of you that have sincere love for your kids, there's times where your kids, when you've disciplined them, they didn't think you loved them when it's actually you were showing the most love at that time, right? In the end, that'll bear great fruit when the law of love is fulfilled. And later, you'll have a deep, tight relationship with them when they're adults because it was born in real love. It was genuine. It was the real thing. And that's the way it has in the, is in the body of Christ. We have to uh, bear each other's burdens. It has to be done. Uh, our truth filter is this right here, the Word of God. We don't, we don't make up how we do this, say this is the Lord's way of how we do it. In just a few minutes, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. That's part of love being fulfilled. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It has a purifying work individually and collectively because we're a family. We take of it. You notice that Jesus said to come and take of it together. He gathered the disciples. He didn't say, hey, you guys just take it anywhere you want. You're at your house. You want to take it. You do it. If you feel like, no, no. He gathered them in. It was the Passover meal. And we'll be doing that in just a minute. So we need each other. We need each other spiritually. We need each other physically. We need each other financially. We need each other emotionally. All of these areas. But the, the, um, the balance of it all is through the Holy Spirit. Amen?